Human beings are differentiated because we have the conscience. So we can overcome instinct, habit, if we rely on the conscience, which will tell us the truth that we need. Do I find the purpose of my life? Or does the purpose of my life find me? Whoa, right? That is Leonard Perlmutter. And he's the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute. And he's also the author of Your Conscience, the key to unlock limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of life's challenges. This book offers a straightforward explanation on the four functions of the mind according to the ancient wisdom of yoga science. The ego, the unconscious mind, the senses, and the conscience. And in this episode, as you can already tell by that little snippet, we go deep into how the mind works, how we make decisions, how we can make the best decisions for ourselves, how we can tap into the collective unconscious, as Jung would call it. We talk about the process of identifying faulty mental concepts that steal your joy and your purpose. We talk about some specific techniques that you can use to make the best decisions. Now, I'm really fascinated by this because we live in a time where we are totally inundated by data, information, headlines, tweets. It's really tough to figure out the best way forward for ourselves and our own health and our own performance. And through this conversation with Leonard Perlmutter, we are given some really compelling ideas that are steeped in deep, deep wisdom of ancient cultures on how we can make the best decisions for ourselves. How can you tap into the superconscious super mind through your own conscience? The difference between the unconscious, conscious, and conscience. You know, one of the coolest takeaways from today's conversation that I think is really, really useful for everybody is to change the way that you see your problems. You don't have any problems. You have situations. Changing the terminology around how you see issues in your life dramatically improves your outcomes. And that's what I'm here to do is to help you have the best possible life, the highest level of performance, the highest quality of life that you can possibly lead. And that's what I I release episodes every single week dedicated to optimal performance. And this is a really cool take. Uh, One suggestion, you know, usually I don't suggest that you listen to these episodes at uh, one and a half speed or two speed. But Leonard is a very uh, slow communicator. He's very deliberate. And so it might help to speed this up if you want to zoom through it. But I really encourage you to listen, to take some notes, and check out his book. You can find him online at AmericanMeditation.org. And I really hope that you enjoy this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, Leonard Perlmutter. Welcome, everyone, to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. And we're here with Leonard Perlmutter. He's the founder of the American Meditation Institute and the author of Your Conscience. Leonard, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. In the explanation of your book, it's framed within the four functions of the mind, the senses, the mind, the unconscious mind, and the conscience. Can you break those terms down for me? Sure. 
we have four functions of the mind. And based on my personal experience, I'm, I'm sure most people as, as kids had an intuitive uh, feeling that we have different voices going on upstairs in our mind. And as it turns out, it's true. There are four of them, ego, senses, unconscious mind, and the conscience. Now, off the top, we have to recognize that the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind are only advisors. They're lobbyists. They can gather information. They can present it uh, in the form of a suggestion. But that's as far as they, their uh, capacity goes. They can be helpful. Uh, the challenge for us human beings is they're often wrong, <laughs> but they're never in doubt. And they create a tremendous amount of noise in the mind because they're, they've never been taught how to be disciplined and to uh, uh, defer to the fourth function of the mind, which is the conscience. And the conscience is is not an information gatherer is is not an advisor the conscience is the only function of the mind that can make a decision mm. so when i learned that sean that was a big game changer for me <clears throat> that meant to me that every single choice i have ever made and every single choice i will ever make in my life has been and always will be made by the conscience gee i don't think any of us ever uh, uh thought that that was the way that uh, it happened you know if it if there were a moral issue uh uh you know i think that we were taught oh you should use your conscience in this situation or this this was a situation you should have used your conscience but that's not really accurate. The point is the conscience is the only function of the mind that can make a decision. And if the ego senses and unconscious mind are lobbying at such a high decibel level to create so much noise, then the only way that the conscience can make a choice is to rely on the loudest voice it can hear. So in, in effect, what happens is in, the, in that situation, <clears throat> when the ego senses and unconscious mind are not trained to quiet down after they present their opinions, then the conscience is only left with rubber stamping the loudest voice. And that gets us into a tremendous amount of pain. Because the ego senses an unconscious mind while they are helpful an awful lot. Right now, you and I need a healthy ego to have this conversation. We need a healthy ego to drive an automobile or a truck. Uh, we have senses, we have a body, life's to be enjoyed. So a fine dinner, a wonderful uh, dessert, something uh, wonderful to drink. These are all part of life. It's, it's wonderful. <clears throat> but the point is that the ego senses an unconscious mind, they're a little bit, I should say, nearsighted. 
They can only see the appearance of pleasure, but they don't look in the back of what they're looking at to see the pain that follows. That gets us into a lot of pain. But if we can learn to teach and parent the ego senses and unconscious mind to gather information and present the information to, to the mind and then quiet down. Then in that quiet, still mind, the conscience has another capacity. The conscience can reflect super conscious wisdom from the super conscious portion of the mind to suggest to us the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take that will always, always, always enable us to fulfill the purpose of our lives without pain. All right. I love that idea of allowing the inputs that inform the conscience to quiet back down. And, and the obvious answer there is meditation, breath work, yogic practices. And, and so we'll sort of bake that in. We'll just, we'll just assume that maybe we'll go back to that a little bit later, but I love the idea of allowing those to quiet back down so that when you have the next choice to make, it's, it's calibrated again. It's sort of uh, back to, back to even keel. One thing that came up for me was a question around uh, uh, the difference between the unconscious. Is that the same as the subconscious? Sure. Okay. Synonyms. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, that, that, that helps me frame it. When I interviewed uh, Bruce Lipton, we did mm -hmm. an, an entire episode dedicated to reprogramming, reprogramming the subconscious mind through self-hypnosis, through um, mind-heart integration, et cetera, et cetera. And it was so useful. We have, we have techniques and tactics, strategies to do that. And I definitely want to leave people with a lot of practical applications some some things that they can do to begin working on this. As you were talking, I was thinking about conscience as intent. I don't know if that resonates with you, but when you said, you know, every decision we've ever made and every decision we will ever make is, is comes from the conscience. Yeah. Is there, is there a connection between uh, uh, conscience and our intent? Our intention is 99.99% of the equation of a successful life. It's not about accomplishment. It's about our intention. That's why Jesus says in the New Testament, blessed are the pure of heart. They shall see the supreme intelligence. In the Bible, it says they shall see God. But whatever word you use, they're all synonyms. You know, it's all the same. There's only one, the supreme intelligence. So, yes, intention is the key. So if I intend to base my outer actions, thoughts, words, and deeds on the superconscious wisdom reflected by the conscience, if that is my intention, regardless of the accomplishment, 
the outcome will still benefit me. Hmm. Can you elaborate on the superconscious mind? Sure. It's not uh, poetry. It's not imagination. It's not magic. It's the same, the very same portion of the mind where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations, where Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies. Doesn't mean I'm going to become a songwriter. Sean, it doesn't mean, sorry to say, that it's not necessarily going to mean that you're going to become a, a, a world-renowned physicist or mathematician. But what it does mean is the more that you use your conscience to determine your thoughts, words, and action, you too can access superconscious wisdom. But the superconscious wisdom that you access will definitely positively and in a very creative way enhance every single unique relationship that you have. Does this suggest uh, Jung's collective unconscious that's just tapping into a a source of wisdom that that we are that is of us but maybe not from us it is both of us and from us to us (laughs) (laughs) for us (laughs) by us by us and for us and so uh the superconscious portion of the mind is an intuitive library of wisdom residing at the center of consciousness that is within us that is us having this human experience so in the human form our access to that intuitive library of wisdom of what's to be done and what's not to be done what's to be said and what's not to be said what's to be thought and what's not to be thought is the mind's conscience that's what separates us from all the other animals we are essentially animals but human beings are differentiated because we have the conscience so we can overcome instinct habit if we rely on the conscience which will tell us the truth that we need to be led for our highest good. People who are, may show up in the world as bad actors, uh, world leaders, you know, who, <laughs> who are focused on control, manipulation, power. I wonder about how is their conscience, I'm, I'll just throw out names just to give it more, more oomph, you know, I think about George Soros, think about Bill Gates, right? People who, who seem to be, who seem to think that they should be in charge of everyone all the time forevermore and, and are the cause of great, great suffering in the world. Is their conscience the same as mine? Do they, is it, is, is it composed of the same components? Is it the same as yours or the same as? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and this this goes back to what you were talking about the unconscious or the of the subconscious because in the subconscious in the unconscious are f- stored many faulty concepts that mm. we got from our mom 
our dad, uh, our grandma, our grandpa, politicians, celebrities, the kids we uh, hung around with at school, the people that we went to college with. Oh, oh, you, we're collectors and we collect uh, concepts. And we're well-intentioned at the time, but we were young, naive, impressionable, and uh, we wanted to be accepted. We wanted to receive a smile on mom's face and a smile or rather than a scowl on dad's face. So we went along with these things and we stored those in our unconscious mind. Now that becomes the software of our mind that plays when we go on autopilot, which is about 98% of the time for most human beings are on autopilot. And it's the software that's playing. So we have salty, we have faulty software. Everybody has faulty software that act as obstacles to accessing superconscious wisdom through the conscience. So we have the conscience and the conscience is going to say what's to be done and what's not to be done, whether it's any of these people that you've mentioned or any other human being in, in the history of the world, it's all the same. But if we don't train and parent the ego, the senses and the unconscious mind to gather information and then present their limited perspective. And that's what they have. Ego senses and unconscious mind only have limited perspectives. It's like looking out the window at, at our house. You can see a portion of the outdoor lawn or wherever you might live, but it doesn't have as more, it doesn't have as comprehensive of you as if you were on the roof. Mm -hmm. On the roof, you could see a 360 degree panoramic view. That's the conscience. Ego senses and unconscious mind are like looking through a window. Sometimes they're right. <laughs> Sometimes they're right. A lot of time they're not right. So when the ego senses and unconscious mind have faulty concepts because of limited perspective, That noise creates obstacles to the conscience reflecting superconscious wisdom. In that case, the conscience will simply rubber stamp the limited perspectives of the ego senses and unconscious mind. And that's what is the basis of decisions hmm. for every human being. I want to get into parenting and training the senses, ego, and unconscious mind, and, I'm, and it's an interesting terminology. But before we before we get into that, uh, I'm I'm struck by uh, the etymology of some of this uh, because conscience and and consciousness and subconscious uh, seem seem to be close. And I'm putting you on the spot here, but could you sort of unpack the etymology, the sort of origin of 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 these of these words and how to think of them differently? Well. Uh, conscience has the prefix con, which is with in Latin, and science is knowledge or light, intelligence. Mm -hmm. So that's as far as I have to go, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
and so so and that's basically uh, the same thing as uh conscious or consciousness it's the same it's it's with light with intelligence with wisdom cool thanks thank you for that yeah as yeah as i as i i i, I don't usually get tongue-tied and caught up with words but- oh it's very important uh, words are very powerful yeah very powerful and language triggers us all the time all the time that's why i tell people i have no problems i say that i don't have any problems because problem is such a heavy dark word yeah when i bring the word problem into my heart center and i and i listen to it problem 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 i have a problem oh i can feel all my creative forces closing down limiting me i can feel it it's heavy it's dark so i tell people i don't have any problems but i tell people i do have situations yeah and so it's a synonym right right but it hasn't been tainted by the by the culture that cultural spin so if i bring a situation into my heart and i listen to that situation 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 i have a situation oh it's much lighter mm-hmm. it, it 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 challenges my creative forces might there be a, a hard work ahead okay i'm up for it not, that that's not an issue because i'm up for it but problem so it's very important to watch words use certain words because they become self-hypnotizing and that limits us i totally agree i absolutely agree and i'm really glad that we went here because self-talk and the way that we the way that we express ourselves to ourselves and the way that we express ourselves to others is, is massively powerful. And, and I want to get your take on something that I've been working with. It just keeps coming up in my coaching practice. So I, I'm a life coach, personal coach, performance coach. And so I work with lots of different people. And one thing that keeps, keeps coming up and now is just part of, uh, part of practice now with, with many of my clients. So many people say, uh, uh, oh, I have to, call my mom. I have to finish this report. I have to exercise today. Um, I need to uh, go run this errand. And really high-functioning people who are successful and effective and present use that terminology. And then it becomes this, uh, this, this zapping of our agency. And so I have this practice where I have people track throughout the day how many times they say, I have to, I've got to, I need to, I oughta. And when you reframe the I have tos into it's important that I, or it would be good if I did this thing, it totally changes the way that you approach anything and it brings back that sense of agency because you don't have to call your mom. You don't have to work out today. You don't even have to pay your bills. You know, you, you could, you could skip town, move to Bali and never come back. 
<laughs> now that would might be problematic, but I just want to get your take on that because it's it's been so effective for, for my clients and I, and I wonder if that resonates with you. When you work with your conscience as your guide, reflecting superconscious wisdom that is unerring in the wisdom that it presents us and enables us to fulfill the purpose of our lives, at a certain point, every thought that we give attention to, every word we speak, and every action we take becomes service, Hmm. becomes service. I become an instrument of this eternal truth being reflected from the super conscious portion of the mind into my conscious mind to direct my actions in the world for the highest good of myself and for all of humanity. All life becomes service. Well said. I like that. And that's very liberating and it's very energizing. If I can continuously throughout the day bring yesterday and tomorrow into today and bring today into now, now at this auspicious moment, if I can counsel within to the conscience, I can determine the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take right now to be in service to it in ways that will lead me for my highest good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is such a joy, and it is so energizing. I happen to be 75 years old now. I've never had more energy. Uh, I feel like I'm healthier than I have ever been in my entire life. And I have updated the software of my mind. Most of my life has been dictated by software that was created Uh, I would say around the age of 14. That would be the time in my life when I knew everything about everything. I think a lot of people uh, felt that at 14. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Myself included. Subsequently, I have discovered, gee, you know, there's a lot of faulty concepts in, in, in that software. I have to update it. How? The key to updating the software lies in relationship, in relationship. When a relationship comes to me, it comes with a purpose. There are no accidents at all, no accidents at all. Every relationship reflects the consequence of a previous action, providing me the perfect opportunity to self-examine, identify some faulty concept that needs to be sacrificed and transformed from something debilitating and poisonous to something expansive, creative, and life-fulfilling. So how do we identify faulty concepts? 
why the conscience tells us 24-7. 24-7. So when I'm driving to work, and maybe I'm a little late, but I'm, I'm moving along. You know, the traffic is going 55, 60 miles an hour on, on the freeway. And some fellow that's driving, oh, gosh, I have no idea how fast this fellow was going, 90 plus, and reckless. And he cuts me off in the midst of traffic, and I have to slam on the brake. And in that process, bubbles of anger come forward from my unconscious mind into my conscious mind. And at that moment, at that instant, I have a conscious relationship with anger. Hmm. So it begs the question at that moment, in the now, what am I going to do with that anger? I have a relationship with it. Every relationship requires an action that brings about a consequence. Here I am, I'm in my car, I'm driving to work in a totally unexpected and unanticipated way, all of a sudden, I'm having a relationship with intense anger. <laughs> and, and the personality wants to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Well, the more attention I give it, what's happening? I'm poisoning my entire physiology with hormones. I'm actually hurting myself. Some people would say I'm killing myself slowly. Mm -hmm. So I have, I have a relationship with anger that came from a channel in my unconscious mind. You know, the software that previously was unconscious and manipulating the marionette, but I wasn't even conscious about that because I was on autopilot. But now I'm consciously aware of it. So, so what is this anger? How would I define it? I would define it with my hand. Like, here's my hand. This might be considered love. And what's anger? Contracted energy. Right? That's what anger is. It's contracted energy. That's why when somebody cuts me off in traffic, what do I do with, how do I communicate with my hand? Ooh! Right? That, that's the anger. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Anger is energy. It's just energy. Fear is just energy. Greed is just energy. It's all energy. Okay, what do we know about energy? Oh, well, I learned in the fourth or fifth grade that energy can't be created nor destroyed. But it can be transformed. I know. I have transformed ice into water. I have transformed water into steam. Do you think it's possible that I can transform that anger into some kind of a positive form that will benefit me? And the answer is definitely yes. In fact, not only can it, but it must be. It is yearning to be transformed in part, not only to fulfill your purpose of life, but to fulfill its purpose of life. Okay, now do you now do you fear now because so many of us are in fear and it's cultural influence it's narrative it's uh and it's it's really really messing with people it really really is and you know it and i know it we see it all all, all the time 
what are some ways that we can have a relationship to fear and transform, transmute, alchemize that fear into something more productive and beneficial? It's relatively easy. That's good. (laughs) That's great to hear. Good, good. Right. It's relatively easy. The mechanism for transformation, you talk about etymology before, is another word called sacrifice that the that the uh, culture has hijacked and and given its little cultural spin to you see uh sacrifice in our culture means what oh a denial of some pleasure i'm denying myself something i have to sacrifice i have to give up something no no let's go back to the origin Let's go back to the Latin and the Italian, sacrifaci. Make it sacred. Make it sacred. All I have to do is learn how to dance with the energy in a different way. So, in the moment when the guy cuts me off in traffic and that anger comes forward from the unconscious mind into my conscious mind, now I can do something with it because I am consciously aware of it. And if I can sacrifice it, if I, because, why? Because the conscience is asking me to do that. This is not the correct form of a thought or an emotion to give your attention to right now says the conscience. And what the supreme intelligence is asking of us is what? Give it back to me. Mm -hmm. Give it to me and I will transform it. I will transform it. Mm. If I, in that moment, aware of anger, It's not that we're not aware of anger. It's not that we're not aware of fear. It's not that we're not aware any longer of greed. But when I have a conscious relationship with it and the conscience is advising me, it is not for your highest good to give it attention, to speak in service to it and act in service to it. Then I, as an instrument of that wisdom, must offer it back to the origin from which it came. And when I do that, dear Lord, dear Jesus, dear Allah, dear Buddha, whatever you're familiar with, whatever comfortable, whatever works for you, offer it back to some form of the supreme intelligence. We all know that everything has come from the one, right? Mathematics teaches us that. There's only one number. In all of mathematics, there's only one number. And that number is one. There is no three. There is no four. These are all concepts that indicate that one has appeared three times or four times. Mm -hmm. So in the moment, if I can offer that and sacrifice that anger or that fear or that greed back to the origin from which it came, it will automatically be transformed into strategic reserves of healing energy an expansion of my willpower and an increase in my creative ability and it will all be stored in the potential state 
just like banking, and I can draw on it at any time for any good purpose that the conscience advises me to do. <laughs> it's always there for me. So think about all day long, all these different opportunities that we have to sacrifice and transform and build up these strategic reserves of healing energy, willpower, and creativity all day long. Mm. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I like the way you say that. Absolutely. So giving it back, giving it back, giving it back to source, giving mm -hmm. it back to great spirit, mm -hmm. sacrificing it, allowing the relationship to it to transform to something else to make way for something else that's that's more purposeful i like so, that a lot that's right so if if i <clears throat> if i gave you 20 gallons of crude oil from saudi arabia and put it into your automobile or your truck you'd be very upset <laughs> it would probably wreck the combustion engine if you have a combustion engine automobile or truck cost you about $10,000 to have it fixed. Not, not a great situation. But if you send it to a refinery in Texas or uh, Louisiana and ask those folks to transform it into gasoline, oh, then you could put it into your automobile or your truck and you'd be tickled. <laughs> it's the same with fear and anger and selfish desire. It represents our creative energy in the world. So are we still aware of fear, anger, and greed? Yes, that's the human condition. But we don't have to be attached to it. We don't have to be enslaved to it. And we can have it transformed. And it can become a reliable strategic source of creativity and energy and willpower. Mm. Nice. You've, you've mentioned a couple of times service is obviously a, a, a key term. And you've also mentioned uh, the purpose of our lives. In my experience, working with people, they oftentimes will say that they don't know what their purpose is. They, they don't know what their life purpose is. Can you speak to some ways in which people might be able to explore their their purpose in this life I, I guess i don't want to frame it any further than that because that's fine gonna, yeah, that's yeah. fine yeah. I, I i'm right i'm right on the same page yeah because i've had those same questions yeah i've had those same questions and it was nagging i don't have those questions anymore so the more you use your conscience to reflect super conscious wisdom and the more that you parent the ego senses and unconscious mind to collect information, present information, and then quiet down so that we all can hear the superconscious wisdom reflected by the conscience. More and more, it means that relationships change. It means that sometimes we have to take out the pruning shears and prune a relationship in certain ways to make it healthier. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, as our practice deepens, 
we look at all the relationships that we have, that we are in service to. Now, some of those relationships don't really look like the same relationship that I had 10 years ago because they've been pruned, but they're healthy. (laughs) But they're healthy now. When I have... When I have gotten to that point in my practice, then the purpose of my life is to serve those relationships. So, do I find the purpose of my life, or does the purpose of my life find me? Through the conscience. That's right. And through these relationships that have been pruned, mm. <laughs> that have been pruned. Uh, we had, we had uh, myself and my wife, we had uh, dear friends, that, this goes back into the 70s, 1970s, okay? Uh, we had, we both had relationships with, with both uh, the husband and the wife. The husband, uh, was uh, a reporter for, for a newspaper that I published during the 1970s. So I had a, a professional relationship with him. And the wife uh, worked as an art dealer for me and, and my wife, who was a professional artist. So we had relationships. It went back a long ways. By the 1970s, we had formed a close relationship, and it was a time uh, where Saturday Night Live television show uh, was sort of at the crown of its creation, you know, Belushi and, and Aykroyd, and it, it was a crazy uh, uh, but fun uh, uh, show. Anyway, we would, we would drive about, I would say about 20 minutes to get to their home every Saturday night, uh, we would, uh, eat too much, eat too, we would eat too late. We would drink too much, have a blast, drive home, uh, a little bit drunk and, uh, got home. Didn't feel like meditating at all. Went to uh, bed, couldn't sleep. The body was trying to digest that big steak. So, uh, woke up in the morning with a hangover, headache, didn't want to meditate, didn't want to meditate. So at a certain point, my wife and I had a heart-to-heart talk. Why do we continue this relationship with these people in this way? We deluded ourselves, Sean. We deluded ourselves. What we said was we maintain this relationship because we are a good influence on these people. (laughs) (laughs) Truth was, we were no influence on them. Rather, they were an influence on us, and it was not positive. So at a certain point, when we recognized it, and we knew in order to serve the wisdom of the conscience, we had to get out the pruning shears and prune that relationship in ways that would be healthier, is what, and, and we did. And we did have lifetime relationship uh, 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 with those people. But it was different. Hmm. Yeah. 
you you remind me of of a of a of a meme that I saw a, a, a graphic and it's a it's a caterpillar sitting looking at a butterfly and the caterpillar is is sitting there looking at the butterfly and it's and the caterpillar says you've changed and and the cat and the butterfly says yeah we're supposed to. <laughs> That's like uh, that's like uh, the river flowing from uh, uh, the mountaintop uh, the, first uh, as a little uh, stream, and then the river uh, being very fearful uh, because it doesn't want to lose its identity as the river as it merges into the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so go a little bit further in the process of of developing a sense of purpose uh, of our lives because i i believe that we can have purpose that we can have purpose in our family we can have purpose in our profession we can have purpose in our spiritual practice and and i think that we all are looking for a greater purpose the 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 reason why we're here in this world and 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 i I think a lot of people think that their purpose has to be associated with their career path and that they're, they have to make their money doing their purpose. Um, can you speak on, on that a little bit and, and how, how we can shift a little bit about uh, the way that we think about our greater purpose or even our greatest purpose, our soul contract, the, our, our highest and best selves? So on some level, that purpose is to become free of all pain, misery, and sorrow. Pain, misery, sorrow, or bondage. Pain, misery, sorrow, and bondage. And if we're free of all pain, misery, sorrow, and bondage, I have no problems. (laughs) (laughs) I have no problems. So it doesn't matter whether we're referencing professional life or personal life or recreational life or sexual life. Doesn't matter. We're complicated animals, have a lot of different kinds of relationships. Regardless of the field of action, every relationship is a means, is a means to serve inner wisdom in ways that will lead myself and all of humanity for its highest good. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I liberate myself from all pain, misery, sorrow, and bondage. Because I become fullness and bliss. Religionists would say, I become one with the Father that is perfect in heaven. I mean, that's a, that's a crude way of, of communicating an, an eternal truth. Mm-hmm. But they can only use, you know, the uh, vocabulary that they had access to. We could probably do better today with that. But that's the same sentiment. It's all about unicity 
It's like, it's this, it's not any different, not any different than the cell in search of an organ looking for a higher purpose. That's us. We are that cell. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So for folks who are grappling with anxiety and depression right now, I I think of it sometimes as, you know, depression is looking back, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about the, the things that you've done, done wrong, the things that you missed out on the relationships that whatever went, went sideways and, and anxiety is looking forward into the future because you're apprehensive about what's to come. That's, that's not in this present moment. And the way that I think about that is a lack of presence in this moment, moment to moment. And, and also it's, it's tough to, it's tough to do that. Um, I think for many, for many, many people. So can, as just sort of a prompt, can you sort of speak to how the conscience ties into anxiety and depression that so many people are experiencing right now? Well, the key to the resolution of uh, uh, your question is that when we change our perspective, we change our experience. Einstein says that a problem cannot be solved on the level at which it arises, must be solved on a higher level. I need to look at the relationship from a higher perspective. What does that mean? Well, there's, there's a question that human beings have been asking themselves since the beginning of time, and that is, who am I? I mean, I know that I have a body, but I, am I merely a physical being? I know I have a mind, I have thoughts, desires, and emotions, I have relationships with all of them, but am I merely a thinking being? Who am I? From where have I come? Why am I here? What's to be done? And where will I go when the body is no more? These are the questions that beg to be understood and answered by every human being. And the more that we can answer that through service to the superconscious wisdom reflected by the conscience, we come to know and know that we know we are citizens of two worlds, essentially spirit. We are eternal beings, pure consciousness, wisdom, bliss and fullness, having a human experience through a mind, body, sense, complex. Our purpose in every relationship is to remain in the moment and unite the two worlds. Unite the two worlds by serving the wise and good counsel of the conscience. So when I have a new relationship that requires an action, the first thing I know 
I must direct my attention within to counsel superconscious wisdom from the conscience. Once I receive that, I use that wisdom as the basis of my thoughts, words, and actions in the material world, regardless of whether it's business and professional or personal or recreational or sexual or or just determining what I'm going to have for dinner or what time I'm going to have go to sleep. That's the key. Mm. So how can we, how, (laughs) how can we, how can we get the benefits from employing our conscious in, 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 in each of those decisions? Like, what are some, what are some techniques? Because of course we can do the meditation. We can, we can do the sleep. We can do the prayer that, that, create the groundwork for better decision-making, better relationship and better choices. But are there things that they all provide us skills? They they provide us tools Uh in real time. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I do. Yeah. When I have a choice to make, I call a family meeting. Yeah. I'm the parent. So I call together the ego, the senses and the unconscious mind and the conscience. And we all sit around the kitchen table and we have a conversation. Say everybody, we just had a wonderful meal. The question then is, are we going to brush our teeth? Are we not going to brush our teeth? And first I'm going to call on the ego. How do you vote? I vote no. (laughs) I I equate any change with some form of death and I don't like it. I'm not looking to be annihilated. I learned that from the reptilian brain. Oh, well, thank you very much. Okay. Now please sit down. Appreciate your perspective. Senses. How about you? We just finished dinner. How do you vote? Are we going to brush the teeth? Are we not going to brush the teeth? I'm with the ego. I vote no but I vote yes for a second slice of apple pie. I love the dessert. That's my favorite. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Please sit down. Unconscious mind, the repository of all the habits from the ego and the senses. What do you say? Oh, well, I'm voting with them. Uh, We often vote in a uh, block, sort of like a political block. We vote together. We're stronger (laughs) together. Okay. Thank you. So now as the parent, I urge the ego senses and unconscious mind. I thank them again for providing their perspective, ask them to be quiet. And I'm going to call on the conscience now to reflect superconscious wisdom. Now that the mind is still conscience. And then the conscience comes in and says, well, I think we all know at this point in life, Life is not really a sprint. It's more like a marathon. For a marathon, we need strong, healthy teeth. We need strong, healthy gums. We need a strong, healthy immune system. And if we can just take a time out for two minutes, go into the bathroom, brush the teeth, that will go a long way to help us have stronger teeth, stronger gums, stronger immune system. Then it's my role as the parent 
for the sake of an experiment, which is not forever, it's not forever, let's go into the bathroom, we'll brush our teeth in two minutes and then come back, and then we'll have another meeting, a follow-up meeting, to hear what your experience was. So it's a relatively easy no-brainer for the ego senses and unconscious mind. And because it's an experiment, it's not forever. So I get them to do it. Mm. Mm -hmm. They come back. Ego, I say. What did you experience? Well, first I have to say, I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's a real plus for me. It wasn't, it wasn't so bad, but big thing for me is I'm still here. Thank you very much. <laughs> senses, what did you experience? Well, I was very surprised too, the ego says, uh, the senses say. I was very surprised because I didn't think that it would be uh, uh, pleasant at all. But the moment we finished brushing the teeth and the tongue started gliding over the front teeth, there was none of that moss there. And I hate when the teeth are so mossy because the teeth haven't been cleaned. So it was very nice. It was rather pleasant. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And unconscious mind? Oh, it wasn't so bad then. It wasn't so bad. So what have I done as the parent? I have provided the ego senses and unconscious mind an opportunity to challenge themselves, to challenge their habits, their unconscious habits, to try something new and have a pleasant experience. The bottom line is they trust me more today than they did before the experiment. They also trust the conscience more. And on some level, small as it may be, they now know that in every situation, the conscience is not out to get them, mm. is not out to steal control from them. That sets me up to do another experiment and then another experiment each time not offering something that's a major challenge. If they don't want to give up a cookie, give up a quarter of a cookie and see what happens. That's fantastic. <laughs> and in that process, Sean, what I'm doing is I'm re-engineering the software of the mind. Right. You're I'm changing those channels from deep channels and I'm filling them in. I'm filling them in. I'm filling them in. And all of those ego or sense gratifications that I that the mind had been habituated to, like fear and anger and selfish desire, is transformed into healing energy, willpower, and creativity. That changes the balance of power in my life. That, that, that's so great. I mean, it, it's kind of back where we started our conversation around giving each, each the senses, ego and unconscious mind to have their moment. That's right. They're going to come. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to exercise their, their what they, they're going to do what they do. 
And uh, and they're not always wrong. Okay, yeah. Sometimes right. we'll say, when I when I uh, drive an automobile, I say to the ego, take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't die. I'll, I'll follow your lead. Right, right. So, okay, then. Uh, in the cases where uh, we're doing something like the brushing of teeth where it's easy not to, although it does serve our greatest purpose. When we are trying to elevate to some, some form of self-expression, some, uh, some event, uh, you know, ask, you know, asking the girl out in at the coffee shop or uh, whatever how do we go through a similar process in which we listen really closely to the senses and what the senses opinion is about going over and, and talking to that, that girl or that guy at the coffee shop? What, what does the, does the process look the same? It looks the very same. And the conscience is the only function of the mind that will know what's to be done and what's not to be done, what's to be said and what's not to be said. Mm-hmm. what's to be thought and what's not to be thought how can you beat it <laughs> uh what i uh, yeah, I'm, i am really enjoying this this is such a fantastic conversation um what is the so walk us through what else is in in, in the book uh the, the key to unlock limitless wisdom and and creativity um what what's in the book? What else can people expect if they if they're enjoying this conversation and they, and they want to go go more into it? Well, the whole second half of the book uh, is an outline of experiments for people to experiment with, and so uh, the the whole the whole structure is really about self experimentation. Because I tell people, Sean, and I'll, I'll tell the audience today, and you as well, I don't want people to believe a word I say. Mm-hmm. Truly, I, I have no intention of having people believe me. In fact, I don't want them to believe me. If they are, however, interested, uh-huh, and they're intrigued by what is being said, I would support 100% their effort to experiment in their own life, to find the truth. That's the only way that any of us is going to find the truth and know and know that we know. And that's the truth that will set us free in every situation. I don't want people to be reliant on me. The culture feeds off of that. You know, we're told by the, the culture that the experts are all outside of us all outside of us. Not so. Not so. The, the true guide is within. It doesn't mean that a suggestion from the outside might not be appropriate. But how do we know unless and until we check with our own inner wisdom? That's why I tell people that one of my most important gurus or teachers or influencers in my entire life has been Elvis Presley. 
<laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Why no, Elvis but, Presley? Well, first of all, I have to tell you that I fell in love with Elvis when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I loved him when I was 20 and 30 and 40. I, I, I love him today because I loved Elvis Presley. And, you know, there's an equation of charisma here. You know, he had charisma. For me, anyway, he had charisma. So, so I gave a lot of attention to him because I gave so much attention to him. I learned a lot about his life and the choices that he made, many of which were in conflict with my conscience. So when he died at age 42 and a friend of mine said, wasn't that a tragedy? I said, not for me. He was a wonderful teacher for me. He taught me in many respects which burners on the stove are hot and which are not. Mm -hmm. So many people hold a grudge against their mother or their father. Oh, they weren't a good mother. They weren't a good father. I believe everybody is trying the best that they can. Every human being tries the best that they can with whatever access they have to the superconscious wisdom which granted is very very limited especially today mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the more that we can purify our own consciousness by sacrificing and transforming this energy we are able then to see the truth so like mom and dad grandma and grandpa i have much more compassion for them now than i ever did before because their limitations that motivated unskillful action back then have taught me how not to live my life mm. thank you very much teacher Thank you very much, Elvis Presley. I'm indebted to you for that teaching. Mm. So people teach us both what to do and what not to do. But gosh, we get so angry when they teach us what not to do. Oh, this, this is a bad person. This, this is a no good Nick. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But they're trying the best they can to show us what not to do. Yeah. Don't drive over the cliff like I'm driving over the cliff. Yeah. Now it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. That that's that's something that, that's come up on this podcast quite a lot is the uh the response to trauma, child childhood trauma, little T trauma, capital T trauma. And we all have it in various yeah, forms. Right. And that's we're right we're it's, it's undeniable but but what what do we do what is our relationship with that trauma right that 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 we can use um for the greatest good for our highest purpose and the people who are really effective at doing that tend to be uh, exceptional people tend to be um, um creative expressive uh focused people um so, so I, earlier you talked about uh people becoming attached to having to do this or having to do that, which diminishes them. And 
it's, it's just not helpful. It's just not helpful. The more that we're in service to the super conscious wisdom, life becomes poetry and song. Mm-hmm. Poetry and song. Leonard, this is this has been such a an interesting conversation, a really nice breath of of, of fresh air in the world, and um, coincidentally timed after a, a weekend of deep spiritual practice for myself. Um, so th- this is really elevated uh, my awareness. These concepts are fascinating. I'm going to get the book because I want to see some more of these experiments. Um, doing this work working on ourselves so that we can be our best so that we can serve humanity is uh, continues to come back, especially now and forevermore. Um, I, I want to, before I, I ask the final question, which is a fill in the blank, um, tell people where they can go to, to pick up the book or, or learn more about you and your organizations. And please tell them about what's happening in January. Well, in January is uh, conscience month. This is the third annual conscience month. And there's a website, consciencemonth.org, consciencemonth.org. And we'll be having a webinar January 6th, where we'll have yoga scientists who have experimented with the conscience talk about the experiments that they have performed to their benefit. So I encourage everybody to, uh, uh, to join us. It's, it's going to be... Uh, I think it's seven to eight o'clock Eastern time on the 6th of January. And if you uh, sign up, uh, you'll get a recording. So even if you don't attend, you'll get a recording. And then afterwards, it'll be up on, uh, on uh, YouTube. So that's that. And, and we also have a $2,000 scholarship to a senior in high school uh, for writing a short essay on how they use the conscience or how they did not use the conscience and suffered because of it mm-hmm. in a short little essay. And they can use that scholarship for higher education. So that's consciencemonth.org. The book, Your Conscience, has its own little uh, website, yourconscience.org, yourconscience.org. And in 1996, uh, Sean, I, I founded the American Meditation Institute for Yoga Science and Philosophy. That's where I teach all my classes. Uh, and on the website, which is AmericanMeditation.org, AmericanMeditation.org, on the homepage, there is a link to a Sunday meditation. It's all free and people can come, have a guided meditation and a philosophical conversation just like you and I have just had and then they'll get a recording of it. And as long as they register, they'll get the recording for free. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing to, uh, and very enriching to surround yourself with like-minded seekers, people who are searching, who are willing to experiment with their own fear, with their own anger, with their own selfish desires in an attempt to 
purify their own instrument and liberate the light of consciousness into the world, which it desperately needs at this moment. Yeah, here, here. So the last question is a fill in the blank, and uh, this can be based on anything you know. It doesn't have to be specific to the book, but it can be. And uh, you can elaborate as much or as little as you wish, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. That every thought is only a suggestion. It is not an imperial command. Every thought is only a suggestion. It is not an imperial command. And yet, 24-7, the conscience can tell us which thoughts to serve through speech and action and which thoughts to be sacrificed, sent to the refinery to be transformed into healing energy, willpower, and creativity. Mm. Every thought is only a suggestion. Leonard Perlmutter, thank you so much for this eye-opening conversation today with me on the Optimal Performance Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you.